Hello, everybody. My name is Arjun Dev Arora, and I'm the founder and managing partner of Valence Advisory. We support funds and founders and help accelerate their efforts via people, capital, and strategy. And now off to John. Hi, John Lowe here. I'm the co-founder at Valence Advisory, along with Arjun. I'm the lead on um, a lot of the communications coaching and leadership coaching. But enough about us. Today, we have an excellent guest on the show. Her name's Melanie Strong. Why don't you introduce yourself, Melanie, and tell us what you've been up to? Sure. So you guys can call me Mel. Um, I had the unique pleasure of meeting Arjun a few years ago when I was at Nike. As your listeners may know, Arjun is an advisor with Nike's Accelerator, which is called Valiant Labs and is quite the um, mentor and advisor in this space. So I, let's see, since we met Arjun first, or I met Arjun first several years ago, uh, I knew that I wanted to do something in my post Nike life that wasn't just another corporate gig. So I had spent some time exploring this space and decided to join a new fund called Next Ventures. So I had started as an advisor in um, January of 2019 and came on as the third managing partner exactly a year ago. So my one year anniversary is October 1st. Thank you. Yeah, it's been an exciting journey. You know, as you guys know, I don't have the typical pedigree uh, for a venture capitalist. I'm aware enough to know what those words mean to a lot of folks. And so I've spent some time understanding the difference between the perception and the reality. And there's truth to, to all sides, as you guys know. But I've really enjoyed not having that maybe perception bias that comes with what a classic VC should look like, act like. I love working with founders. I love people. I love the space that we invest in. And so far, that's been enough. So I'm having a great time. Wow, glad to hear. Um, and so, like, you know, transitioning from a corporate career in Nike and getting into venture without the typical pedigree. Um, what was that calibration period like for you? Like, Terrifying. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it was such a change, you know? And I, I spent quite a few months, or years maybe even, before leaving Nike to make sure I understood what that would feel like when you work, as, as many people may know, when you work at a brand, especially a very beloved brand, for a very long time, it becomes part of your identity. And that's really positive in some ways and not so positive in other ways. So I had the benefit of having this unraveling period because I was making this decision on my own. I'm very lucky and grateful that I had the chance to do that at my own speed. So I spent a lot of time thinking about who I was without the Nike email address and the I don't know, the prestige maybe that might come with that. And that was very humbling for me, understanding what I was good at that, you know, uniquely belonged to me, that didn't belong to the brand or these amazing teams that I worked with or the agencies that we worked and partnered with. What was I uniquely good at? And that, that took some time to figure out. And ultimately, it's what led me to the space because I know that I'm good at a variety of things that can help startups be successful. I am also acutely aware of what I'm not good at <laughs> and totally okay admitting that. Um, and I think that's also helpful in this space, but it was a really fun experience. I had the imposter syndrome that comes with 
any big life change. And then I think I spent enough time surrounding myself with mentors and advisors to help me when I felt like I was misstepping or second guessing myself. And after a year in it, I can say that I couldn't be more excited about having made the leap. Wow, that's so great. Thanks for sharing that. The, um, and you know, Next Ventures has a particular uh, culture, value system and, uh, and investment uh, thesis. Um, you know, there's so many venture funds. What did, what, what about Next uh, helped you find that kind of next home for your career? I spent some time working with bigger funds, which was really eye-opening. So both through Nike, because we had partnerships with a lot of the bigger, more established and respected funds. And then in my own journey of figuring out what was going to be the right landing place for me, I also spent time with big name funds um, who had hundreds of employees and just this you know, decades long legacy of being very successful. And those are very interesting places and places where I could have learned a lot, but I really like the idea of something that felt completely different for Nike, meaning foundational, humble, starting from the ground up, a place where I could build a culture, where I could be part of building the fundamentals of that team and fund. So I love the idea of a first-time fund, which is what Next Ventures is. And then I also very much love the idea of keeping in, at least as, as new a VC as I am, I love the idea of staying in the space of sports and health and wellness. So it's a place I, I love living in and participating in and um, I've spent the last 20 years as a brand and marketing leader as well as a general manager and business leader. So I know this space. Um, and so I really felt like, again, as, a, as humble as you can be as a first time VC, investing in an area where you have subject matter expertise makes a ton of sense. So if I was looking at blockchain deals all day, <laughs> I don't know that anyone would invest in us as a fund. <laughs> I'm probably not your girl. But if it's in the space of both serving high performing athletes and then scaling that same service and benefit to anyone who wants to live a healthier life, I think I know that space. It's the space I've lived in my whole life. So that gave me a lot of confidence to join Next Ventures because that is very much our thesis. Let's find those great innovations, technologies, services that might be vetted today with that high performing athlete community, but could benefit anyone around the world who wants to just live a longer and healthier life. And I just, I love that. It's not unlike the mission at Nike as Arjun knows. Yeah, wow, thanks. And and just uh, just as like a slight segue into, um, you know, when you mentioned like high performing athletes, you're one yourself, are you not? <laughs> you no. Said... <laughs> no. <laughs> Don't say that out loud. <laughs> yeah, I think I think when I first got connected to you on LinkedIn, I saw a, a mountain bike. Yeah. Something yeah, that terrified me to think of riding myself, but great to be a spectator. Can you tell us some of your outdoor adventures? (laughs) For sure. It's kept me sane. You know, when mindfulness practice started to become the norm and we were talking about it at work and in my life, I tried really, really hard to figure out meditation. (laughs) 
<laughs> and despite my best efforts and downloading every app in this space, the place where I find the most presence and relief from the chatter of all the things in my brain or when I'm on my bike or when I'm in the woods. And so that has been why I love mountain biking, frankly, and trail running and, and anything outside that kind of gets your heart pumping. Um, in Oregon, especially where every ride starts with a climb. And so you're like, angry and you're working through stuff and you're thinking about all the things you haven't had time to process during the day but when you're going downhill you have to be humble and that's my mantra when i ride humility 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 over and over again and that presence of humility with the trail and the bike and the trees and the rocks i don't know that's been my saving grace i have a doctor that i've been seeing for 10 years she's a naturopath in portland and she's like if you weren't, it's my therapy. If you weren't doing that, um, I think, you, you know, she's always said you would have a lot more challenges with just dealing with all the daily ins and outs of life. So I am not a high performing athlete, but I love being active. And I think that's important. I know you guys feel the same way, finding that balance to our daily jobs, our corporate jobs is really important to me. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's super interesting you mentioned because, you know, you mentioned the fund has this focus on high-performing athletes, but really the innovations in that space can also benefit everyone else who just aspires to take a bit of that and really have a more holistic, healthy lifestyle, right? Without necessarily like competing in the Olympics. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's, you know, that's what every big sports brand is striving for right? You can own this position as a premium brand, delivering premium products, digital or sneakers and t-shirts, services. But if you can't figure out how to deliver those same benefits to the broader population, I don't think you're doing your job. So luckily at Nike, that whole idea of democratizing these products and services was already so embedded in the culture. And that is the same for Next Ventures. If we only invested in products that served elite athletes and people who could afford those products, we wouldn't be doing our job. We want to be able to vet and scale those very quickly to the masses because that's where we have the most opportunity to have impact. Oh, wow. So well said. Um, and so you've been engaged with Next for about a year. You're heading up on your year anniversary. Um, what are some highlight moments? Whether it's a specific boundary you met, like a, a brand that you helped in achieving a certain milestone, or it could be one of the most enjoyable team meetings you've ever had that you haven't experienced in a while before. Yeah, that's a great question. Oddly, I think the my personal best experience, meaning the time when I feel like I have learned the most in this role was probably during the early days of COVID. And I know that sounds crazy because it was an awful period and it is still awful, right? The unknowns of what as a culture we're going to face are, are really scary. But working with our portfolio companies in those first few weeks, when it became clear that our lives were going to be different forever, was 
incredibly gratifying because as you guys know, at the end of the day, this is about people. It's about leaders, about their teams, and then about the communities they exist to serve. And I was so gratified as a new investor and a new managing partner to see how our companies responded because it was all about the people. You know, yeah, we got into financial modeling and cash flow and projecting worst case scenarios of how COVID was going to impact their business. But the first thing every company did in our portfolio was think about the people. And that was very gratifying for me because you don't know. You don't know until you hit a crisis moment how leaders are going to lead. And we've certainly seen that play out countless times in our country and around the world, right? It, it's easy to lead when things are good, um, but true leadership emerges during times of crisis. And so for me, that was very gratifying. It gave me a lot of confidence in our team that we had the right people leading our companies, that we were in a position to help them because they needed help as everyone did and still does. But that was my moment of understanding where I could add value. And I was just so proud, so proud of our team for being able to lead uh, their teams effectively during a really scary time. Yeah, wow. That's, um, that's pretty amazing to discover that. I mean, did, did you, upon experiencing that, did you and the team look back and identify, hey, uh, where in our people diligence process is this being picked up? Because it doesn't seem to be a by chance thing, you know? Yeah, I've thought a lot about what leads to making a great decision as it relates to an investor investing in a company. And there are VCs who have these incredible operationalized processes. And we need to learn more from those VCs in terms of the science behind understanding what makes a good company great. But there is also an art and I'm really good at the art. Um, I don't know if that's because I've always been a storyteller. I was a journalist. I was a first grade teacher. I really like people. <laughs> and I think that helps a lot in this job because I wanna understand people and then I wanna help them be successful. And so that art is probably what helped us during COVID. Um, we had already made the decision to invest and actually we invested in three more companies once COVID took over and became a pandemic. So we were still investing in new companies, but with that mindset of not only doing the work to understand the potential of the company from a financial perspective, but understanding the people. And that's, that's I think, harder to learn I'm really grateful that I had a chance to learn and create that muscle just through years of working with teams um, and experiencing both the highs and lows of culture. Um, but I, I think it's, it's a great question, John. I think it's really hard to put on paper, um, but it is, I guess I always go back to that idea of art and science. It's a bit of both that makes a really great partnership. Yeah, wow. I mean, so nicely said that combination of art and science. I mean. Definitely, it's funny because we understand it, it, it's hard to quantify, right? The, the impact, uh, like in a, num a specific number, the impact of, you know, um, people dynamics, proper high-functioning people dynamics. 
but we all know that the the cost of really bad people dynamics is catastrophic right like <laughs> so it can take down downside. the best business yeah we know the downside is you might not have a business tomorrow <laughs> the upside is not so hard to quantify and that's where i guess that's where the ongoing art of um investing at the earliest stages will be an ongoing art i guess but if yeah. that, but if someone does find a SaaS product to take care of that i'm investing in them for sure but but in the meantime we'll just have to rely on uh people diversity and just good good old teamwork <laughs> yeah i hope we never forget that and um just on a more personal question i don't know whether you find it personal so what are some of your favorite products that uh, the firm's invested in? Or what are some of the products you do use? Curiously. Yeah. We actually test every single product that we think is interesting enough for us to consider an investment in, which means we are currently testing probably 20 different connected coaching and training products, software, hardware, AI, VR, <laughs> the whole gamut. Um, We've tested every sports bar on the market or coming into the market. That said, we are all huge personal advocates of every company we've invested in. The ones that I get most excited about, um, I'll, I'll start with Aura Ring. Aura is interesting, right? Because they came in as a disruptor to the Fitbits of the Apple watches of the world um, and directly competing with a whoop with a point of view that a ring based device will be a better experience and deliver more accurate data than a, a sorry that a finger based uh, wearable will deliver more um, accurate data and a better experience for consumers and uh, wrists. And so we made that bet. Um, when we invested in Aura a little over a year ago. But one of the things that I hadn't anticipated um, over the last year was just how important sleep would become in terms of mainstream thinking about health and wellness. Um, the CEO of Aura is a wonderful guy named Harpreet. Harpreet uh, has always been at the forefront of advocating for the value of sleep over any other fitness and health indicator? Because we get that question a lot, you know, as, as experts in this space, um, which is such a privilege to be seen as an expert, we get asked a lot, like, what are the things, the hacks, the special tricks that you have learned after spending your lives in the human performance space? The reality is, I want to say it's some magic macronutrient supplement technology-based innovation. It's not, it's sleep. <laughs> so even for, for someone like me, who's been surrounded by coaches and athletes and people who care a lot about performance my whole life, um, I used to think that I could get away with shortchanging myself on sleep. And the Aura Ring calls BS on that real fast. <laughs> so I used to be one of those awful corporate people we all love to hate who claimed that I didn't need sleep, right? I could stay up late, get up early, be the first in the office and perform well. And the reality is like, that wasn't true. That was a game and trick I was playing on myself. And so the, the beauty of Aura is it 
in a very non-judgmental way helps you understand what other elements of your daily life are impacting your sleep. So even if I'm in bed for eight hours, and this is actually more an issue with, with women, um, I'm not generally getting enough deep sleep unless I do a couple things. One, I can't drink, which is so sad. I, I still do. I'll have a glass of wine, but I know that it comes with probably uh, less high quality deep sleep that night. So at least I know what my exchange is for having that glass of wine. I can't look at my computer. Blue light absolutely impacts my deep sleep. Some of it's hormonal. So being able to use the Aura Ring to track my hormones and see how my hormones throughout the month are impacting my deep sleep is also really fascinating. So even though I thought I was so in tune to my body and the things that would help me feel and function better, the Aura Ring really helped me take that to a different place. I also got one from my husband. Uh, we got a little competitive with our deep sleep metrics. <laughs> How, did, be how, did, how does competition affect your sleep? <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> it's a rather unhealthy result of um, being competitive. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's probably a, a good example. Um, the other product that, uh, well, there's two products that I also use almost every day. One is PowerDot, which is a beautiful mobile e-STEM unit. So if you guys have ever been to a chiropractor or a physical therapist, uh, you've probably experienced e-STEM in an area of your body where you need a little more blood flow and a little more accelerated recovery. And the at-home devices in that space have always been super clunky, um, but the power dot's beautiful. Um, it's small, it's easy to use. You can travel with it anywhere. You can control it through a well-designed app. Um, and that in and of itself is super exciting, but the reason why we invested in PowerDot is because there is also a medical platform that they're launching this year that allows healthcare practitioners to deliver remote care through the app. So instead of my having to go see my chiropractor to get eSTEM, they can, my doctor can prescribe uh, treatment through shared access of my app and then track compliance, which is really, really cool. So that was the reason why PowerDot was so interesting. Not only did they have this beautiful DTC consumer experience, but they also have a B2B medical experience they're launching this year. So I'm, I'm a big fan of that company as well. I try not to play favorites, however. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't ask which one's better. The, uh, the, if I had to pick one, which one should be? The, um, but um, wow, that's fantastic. The, um, we're, we're kind of hitting up on time now. We could listen to you talk for a lot longer the um so so for you know any entrepreneurs watching this present and future um what would you what would you want to let them know the entrepreneurs that have inspired me the most whether it's in my new life at next ventures or in my life prior have been the ones who are very passionate about what they're building but also understand where they need help. I think a, a flag for me over the last few years have been folks in any aspect of my life who think that they're good at everything um, because it's not possible. Um, and I think the, the entrepreneurs that have the best shot at success are those who have done the work to understand who they are, 
um, to have tons of confidence and courage in what they're building, but to also just be very aware and humble about what they aren't great at as investors that help lead. And I think most importantly, where they're going to need support to be successful. So that would be my, my biggest learning maybe, um, as it relates to how to help entrepreneurs and founders be successful. Don't be afraid of saying what you, where you need help and what you're not great at. I think that's a really important vulnerability that everyone should bring to the table. And certainly for our fund, it's really wonderful when we can see that vulnerability in a, a founder.